Dead air. Dead air. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. That sounded like an ACDC. Dead yeah. air. Dead air. <laughs> not ACDC. Yeah. Not, not what am I thinking of? Black Sabbath. Yeah. yeah. That's what it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to episode four of Bored to, to Death. Death. Man, I'm Bill. And I'm Haley. And tonight we're going to talk about Splendor. We're going to talk about Splendor. And we're also going to talk about a murder mystery. And I'm going to see what you think about how, if you think the husband did it or not. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because, because it is technically a mystery. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Are we ready? Yeah. Let's get into it. <clears throat> what are you drinking tonight, Bill? Uh, just some crappy cheap red wine from Aldi. I don't even remember the it's name. It's Aldi of it. brand? Yeah, it's not not notable. Not oh. worth remembering. Well, uh, just as a um, help me, I'm trying to think of the right word. Words, thumbtack. Um, okay. I we both recently have gotten over having the Omicron Percy I eight virus. Yes. Yeah. We're uh, so well, I mean, like we both had it. Um, I'm still kind of getting rid of the 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 phlegm, the phlegm, um, the phlegm which which I didn't realize I had COVID because of the phlegm. I was like, oh, it can't be COVID because it's not dry. I'm just like hacking up fun things, you know. <laughs> <coughs> so you'll have to forgive the fact that I periodically will cough. I'm drinking tea to help mitigate some of that. But anyway, all right, let's jump right in, shall we? Yeah. So tonight we're talking about uh, Splendor, and Splendor is a game for two to four players. Ages 10 and up, and it takes about 30-ish minutes to play. Uh, it's a card game <clears throat> in which players are playing as, like, jewelers in Venice mm. or like, Italy, kind of Renaissance period. And the way that they, the way that you play the game is you have three decks of cards, all of different values, you know, the bottom row being the most common one, common jewels, uh, second row being a little bit more uncommon, and third row being, you know. You start from the bottom, and then you're here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you each row of cards has four cards drawn from each respective deck. So there's 12 cards in total over three rows. And the game is played in a way where <clears throat> you can do a number of things. You can either purchase a card uh, from a row, looking at the cost of it, of how many gems it costs. Or you can uh, take gems from a stack of like little gem token pile thing. Right. So you can take two of the and same. And they're like little chips. Yeah, they're like little like poker chip looking Colored things. Colored so, chips. Yeah, so there's there's five colors, I believe. Chips of color, rather. Yeah. There's sapphire, there's emerald, there's ruby, diamond, and jet. And so you can take two of the same type or one of three different types. And that's what you use to purchase cards. And whenever you go to purchase, as you accumulate these card, I guess these precious stone like cards right whenever you purchase a green or an emerald card from then on you don't have to use an emerald coin or an emerald to right. purchase card. further cards so yeah you kind of stack and accumulate these gems to amass a amass you know a fortune to ultimately so you can purchase. trade and buy and yeah so you can purchase victory point cards right they put, the goal of the game is to get to 10 victory points 10 yeah. i thought it was 15 i think it's or 15 something like that yeah. we played a 15 yeah 
Um, so once you get the first person to get to 15 points, then yeah. wins the game. It's pretty pretty straightforward. It's, it's straightforward and it's quick. Mm-hmm. It's a quick game for sure. Yeah. So I mean, easy easy to play, really. Honestly, like it's you know what game it reminds me of quite a bit. Spice Road. Yeah. Because there's a lot of trading and colorful chips. And... Yeah, it's just, it's just it's purely resource management. <laughs> Is what it is. And yeah. we're planning your next move of what you want to buy. And that's that's it. I mean. Yeah. <clears throat> Easy peasy. How many people can play? Two to four. Two to four. Yeah. How long does it take? Very one of it. About 30 minutes. About 30 minutes. Yeah. I feel like it takes less time. Maybe maybe the more players you have, the longer it takes. Yeah. And I feel like we, I feel like the time flies when we play it too. I mean, because it's one of those games. It goes fast. Yeah. It's one of those games like Dominion where like you don't. Under, you don't see where the time goes, yeah. you know, because you're you're focused on the game, you know, and you're not really like talking to other people. At least you don't have to. So yeah. Because you're just sitting there thinking of your next move as the other person is going. It's very, it's not very interactive, I w- so to speak. I was about to say, like, I wouldn't describe this game as being like a beer and pretzels game where like you have to, where you can like chit chat. You kind of have to pay attention. Yeah. Especially because like everybody's vying for the same cards, essentially. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, exactly, and that, that brings up a really good point. Um, you can one of your actions you can do as well is you can actually reserve cards. So if you see your opponent kind of build accumulating more and more chips of like different um, uh, different precious like gemstone chips, and you see it co- that they're trying to build towards the cost of a specific card, and you want that card, your next turn you can actually reserve that card and place it off to the side. Yeah, and that way you're the only one who can purchase it. So I actually have a question because there's one aspect of this game that I don't quite understand. So, you know, the one gem there's, there's, there's blue, green, red, fool's gold. Fool's gold. Okay. What is the purpose of this like orangey yellow looking chip? I've never used it. It's just a, it's a, it's a one of any type. One of it. So it's a wild card. Yeah. It's a wild card. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, no wonder I've never used it. I'm, afraid of it yeah cool yeah that's it all right should do you want me to go into my pluses and minuses um yeah sure absolutely so tell me some things you like about it some things you don't like about it things i like about it it's easy to learn very easy to learn uh quick to pick up okay it's fast the game goes quickly especially once you learn how to play the game um like i was saying earlier you know it's not a beer and pretzels game where you can kind of chit chat because once you learn how to play, you know, the the play can go really fast. And, and in a way, it's almost like challenging to the person you're playing against the faster you go because it's like, I mean, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but like the faster I go, it's almost like the, there's pressure on you to go just as fast. Yeah, like I there's like that. a There's like a flow to the game. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I can, see, I can definitely see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like that, like I said, I, you know, it doesn't take very long to play. Um, the, it, there is definitely a challenge to it in that, like, you're looking for various avenues and opportunities to gain high-value um, jewels, gems, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, and there's lots of different ways to achieve the goal of 15 victory points. Um you know, it's just a matter of like keeping your eyes peeled. Like you have to be paying attention to 
what you have in order to be able to level up and move up to the more high value cards. Yeah. Um, so those are some things I appreciate about it. Um, I like the, um, the art. The art's fun because it almost looks historical. Yeah. Um, there's like kind of cool portraits of, which I'm pretty sure they have like real historical figures on the Victory Point cards. I don't know. I, I couldn't tell. One you. definitely looks like Henry VIII. Yeah. Yeah. He so um, I, I don't know if they're necessarily like actual portraits of historical figures, but maybe they're based on historical figures. Yeah, probably. Uh, you're, you know, European, you know, important royalty, what have you. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a, you know, but it's a quick game. It's a fast game. There's not a lot of depth to it. It goes... Um, is, it, that, is that what you don't like about it? No, that's what I like about it. I oh. like that it's a simple game. It moves quickly. Um, it's attractive. It fits nicely in a in a an appropriately sized box. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't take bad. up a ton of space. Yeah. Um. So yeah, those are the things I like about it. Um. Why don't you tell me the things you like about it, and okay. then I can start thinking of gripes because currently I don't have a ton. Okay. Well, so um, <clears throat> what? Well, backing up a little bit, what we uh, I neglected to mention is how you accrue those victory points. Is that as you move up the three rows or the three uh, like rungs? Of... Yeah, rungs of the of the uh, gemstones, the precious gems. As you go up there, the ones on the bottom row are essentially like very low cost. They cost two, maybe four different types of gemstones, that kind of stuff. So it's not too bad. And then the second row, that's when you start to see every single card has like one or two victory points. So whenever you purchase a gemstone card, it costs a lot, like five, five of one type of gem and then three of another, so eight total. But it gets you three victory points at the end of the game. And then the top row, the third row, they're supremely expensive, like 12 to 14 gemstones each, but they give you like five victory points, that kind of stuff. And then at the top, there's also like nobles that you like have the potential to purchase as well that don't really give you any value, but they, you know, they cost a lot. Um, but things I like about it is it's kind of the same thing. Like it's portable. Like we could actually yeah. take this to a restaurant or out in public and play somewhere. Yeah. If you didn't want to even put it in a box, you could just put it in a few card sleeves. You could. Somewhere and just that be it. Don't we have ours in? We have our Dominion set. No, no, no. Um, but. I guess here's a gripe, and before I forget, um, maybe the cards are sensitive because we have all of them in. I have them in sleeves. Just we to have them in them. sleeves to protect them, but the game's not that no. valuable. So like, no. why do they need to be in sleeves? Oh, it's for shoots and longers. That's why. Oh. Yeah. But this, uh, yeah, but this, um, like the cards are like normal size. They look just like they're the same size as like <laughs> poker cards, that kind of stuff. The size of the cards <laughs> is very important to me. Yeah. Yeah, as we've learned, they've got to be just so. They got to be appropriately <laughs> sized. Tarot card size, or oh, insane, or, or poker, or poker card size. Unacceptable. Yeah, you know. So the uh, but yeah, it's a very portable game. It's very well done. It won the 2014 Golden Geek Board Game Award for yes. best game of the year, which is awesome. In 2014. Yep, that's what I said. And oh, sorry, <laughs> didn't register that. And it's, uh, yeah, I really like that it's very easy to teach people. Like our friend Steven played it with us one time when we went to Cafe Poet. 
a long time ago. I do not remember that, but it doesn't um, surprise me. Yeah. And it's... We are that yeah. th those people that bring board games with us wherever yeah. we go. Yeah. So it's easy. It's uh, easy to learn. It's very, very portable, uh, very compact, so that kind of deal. So if you live in like yeah. an apartment building or apartment something like that and you don't have a whole lot of space, like this is a great game to pick up. Yeah. It is... Dang, I really don't have anything. I don't have any sick. gripes. I don't, I don't really either. It's a really good, solid game. I, I will say, you didn't really, you weren't too keen on it at first. I think at first, because I think it took me a, a beginner, well, like a minute for it to click. Yeah, because there is a little bit of a weird thing to go on where you have to keep track of, all right, the cards that you have also contribute to your purchasing power to purchase additional cards. So that's right. kind of, that's just a weird thing to wrap your head around. Well, and um, also, like, I think the thing that I got frustrated with was um, at a certain point when you have a certain number of, of gems, right? Mm -hmm. And the, and the <coughs> excuse me, the, I don't know what they're called, but the those victory cards that are, like, at the very top. That, yeah, the noble cards. The noble cards. Yeah. You have to purchase those at some point. Like, when you have the correct amount of currency to purchase those noble cards. Yeah, you have the to rule them. is you have to buy them. And so um, when your brain is focused on trying to acquire as much of the um, like victory point gem cards, mm -hmm. when your brain's going that way, you're not paying as close of attention to these noble cards. And so I think I got frustrated with the fact that like I had to like keep going i had to like take Keep my mind out of the trade train yeah. of thought and think like okay at some point i have to purchase these noble cards and it's like you have to like keep that in the back of your mind and so i think i got frustrated with that because periodically like i would miss my opportunity to buy it or like i would forget that i had to buy it and it would like make me lose a turn or something anyway the game took like a couple times for it to click with me. Yeah. Um, I think that's why I, I wasn't like super keen on it at first. Mm -hmm. But once I actually got my brain thinking the way that it needed to, I don't mind playing this game ever. Yeah, it's almost as if you have to have your... You have, I have to. There's like, two priorities, essentially. Well, yeah, and like you almost have to have... like You need your opponent to help you keep track of that as well, like for each other's benefit. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, cause like just to keep each other honest, like, hey, by the way, you can't do that this turn. You actually have to buy that you noble card. You have to buy that noble card, yeah. Which for could better be... better or worse. Exactly, for better or for worse, right? Because, um, you know, some noble cards are worth more or less than others, right? And so mm -hmm. that could be helpful or a hindrance to you yeah you know so but that's so i mean i gotta say sometimes i here's a gripe uh -oh. sometimes it goes too fast oh sometimes like the game chess. well not not even like in the process of play it's just like i'm kind of like oh man like we're the game's already over yeah like <clears throat> that's my i guess that would be like a gripe of mine like i enjoy the which is like a good thing to say about the game honestly like you know, oh, I enjoyed playing it so much. Like, darn it, it's over, you know? Yeah, you know, so. it's like when you hang out with friends or you go for a fun weekend with friends and you're like, oh, man, I don't want to go oh, home. Oh, it went too fast. It went too fast. I don't want to go home. But exactly. then, like, there are some games where it's like, or sometimes you hang out with friends and family and then you just stay that one extra day. It's like, man, we really didn't fucking have to do that. Yeah. Like, ugh, I want to go home. I had a theater teacher in high school uh, he reminded me of an elderly version of Randall from Recess. Do you remember that guy? Do you remember that show, Recess? Uh, I do, kind of. Randall was like the little weaselly kid. Okay. 
and he was everybody hated him. Um, but anyway, he he was a very sweet man. He was uh, he, a very sweet man. But he did remind me of Randall from Recess. Um, and he used to say, like, anytime you're going to see a play or you're being entertained in any way, and you at any point, like, look down at your watch or your clock, like, nobody wears watches anymore, I guess. Like, if you look down at your phone, this If you was, look down at your pocket watch. <laughs> this was in the early 2000s, so nobody had smartphones yet. But, okay. you know, if you look down at your watch at any point while you're being entertained, it's not good. Yeah. That's what that's that was kind of like his like rule for life. Like when you're talking about like the theater, when you're talking about movies or games or whatever, like if you're like watching the time pass, yeah, then that's a pretty good indicator that what you're doing for entertainment isn't that great. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I think about that quite frequently because you know I'm like okay, yeah. So like a lot of people like will be watching Netflix and fucking around on their phones at the same time, and it's like. Well, clearly you're not very entertained yeah. by what you're watching because, you know, you're needing something to, like... Distract you. Distract you from the distraction, yeah. you know, so. Or that's just the world we've come to live in. Yeah, I like to get that dopamine fix. Every <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to double up on this. Oh, yeah. Oh, Hit me hey, with uh, your best it's like, shot. It's like heroin. <laughs> Entertainment uh, heroin. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> So that's pretty much it, yeah? Yeah. yeah. On Splendor. Yeah, goddamn, that was short. But if you were going to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you, know, you rate it? I'm going to save that <laughs> kind of garbage. Not garbage, but I'm going to save no, this that is what the for... this is what the listeners want. They want hard we've, data. We've listened to you listeners, and the results are in. <laughs> No, I know. I figured we could do that for another episode where we Why actually, not? we're actually, we actually rate and organize. Why wouldn't we rate all of them? That's what I'm saying. We save that for an entire episode where we go through, we make a list in order, and we give our reason, rationale why we put them in that order. Oh, that sounds like a long. That's yeah, okay. Sounds like homework yeah. to me. That's okay. A bit. We're not going with our guts. We're just gonna sit down and create yeah. right. some I, kind of a, file. If I had to give this board game a rating, it would be... That's uh, our water heater. Our, uh, <laughs> Welcome to our garage, yeah, listener. Nope, not, not, not our garage. It's our recording studio. Yeah. And uh, Sorry, that's our, our, our producer, Frank's Plain Spoons, in the background. <laughs> so if I had to give this a rating, I would give it a solid 8.5 out of 10. Wow. Maybe even like 8, 8.5, something like that. That's pretty solid. It's a good, robust game. It's portable. It's got all the things that we like. Eight and a half. That's pretty good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I would give it that high of a score. What? Yeah. I don't think I would do that. I think I would shoot for, like, honestly, when I asked you that question, the the number that flashed in my head was a seven. I knew you were going to say that. Why? (laughs) Because... That's average. Because it's average. When you, when, yeah, when you roll, when you roll two six-sided die, solid C. Yeah, when you roll a two six-sided die, the probability, the problem, problem stats for it are a seven. Seven is average. It's like forty-six percent. Yeah, so I would call it like an average game. I wouldn't call it anything exceptional, but I wouldn't say it was bad. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like so. Meh. Hey. And by the way, it's forty-six percent of the time you'll roll a seven or less on a two d six. Thank you. It's a leadership statistic for a... Thank you, Professor. Yeah, basically any like standard troop in Warhammer Fantasy Battles. So that's what All right. Well, everybody write for that le- down. Yeah, for leadership tests. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay, are we ready to move on? Or... Okay. So, yeah. here we go with my murder. No one's going to hear you whisper. What? <laughs> 
Okay, so. Murder. The, <laughs> the murder is actually not in Texas. It uh, is in Indianapolis. But the reason I wanted, I liked this one was because there's mystery around it. And, like, I think it's, and there's also good doggos in it. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So, on a freezing night in December of 2012, Indianapolis. Okay. Okay. Um, along the banks of the White River in Indianapolis. Um that's the name of the river. <laughs> um, <clears throat> a passerby, I think a guy on his bike or a runner or somebody, um, came upon a horrifying scene. And it was on the walking path in this park uh, was the body of a dead woman. Okay. Okay. She was face down on bloodstained concrete mm-hmm. um, as two German shepherds fiercely guarded her body. So... Okay. This guy or this person who encounters her dead body calls okay. the police and the police can't even get to the dead body because the dogs are so fiercely guarding this woman's body. Okay. Can I pause you right here? Of course. All right. So what I have, the image I have in my mind is the passerby is a guy who is, and specifically a guy, I don't know why it's just in my head. Because men are. No, just wait. So, and he's walking a little rat dog mm. and I'm talking like really, really tiny, like, like tea, a Yorkie, like a teacup shih tzu something. You know what I mean? It's like six inches long. <laughs> and like, he's standing there, he looks over at the body, he looks down at his dog and the dog's taking a dump and he's not going to pick up the dog's shit. And then he looks over back at the body. He's like, huh, not my problem. But then he sees the dogs, the two German shepherds and the German shepherds like, they're not come fuck with my, our master. And he's like, oh, shit. And he picks up this six-inch teacup Yorkie thing. And he's like, hmm, not my problem. And then the dog does the same thing. Hmm, not my problem. And then <laughs> that's the, that's what the dog... Okay, but this is the person that calls the police and reports the dead body. So and Yeah, he does it when he gets home when it's convenient for him. <laughs> no, that's not what... dogs aren't concerned about other people. You're terrible. also don't pick up their own, do- own dog shit. Oh, you're full of it. You're just tired of stepping in people's dog's poop in our neighborhood okay aside from your your biases around little dogs there was no mention of little dogs all right but i have a story in my head okay whatever anyway so um unfortunately um the police officers were met by the two dogs described to us um the the media as being very vicious and protective of her um of her person said an undercover officer when they were interviewed. Um, They were initially unable to approach the victim to check for signs of life because the dogs were so, like, don't get near our master, okay? Okay. They ended up having to tranquilize the dogs um, and wait for them to pass out before they could get to her. Um, So when they finally get to her, there are no signs of life. Um, The police soon learn that the victim is 52-year-old Sharice Bingham. Uh, what they don't know is who would want her dead because what, in, what they end up finding is that um, there's a gun very close to her body and um, <clears throat> they basically find that the gun very close to her body was a gun that was in her name. It was mm. her gun um, and the the wounds that had been inflicted on, inflicted on her, the gunshot wounds, were from that gun. Okay. Weird, right? And so... Anything can happen in Indianapolis, you know? We don't... Okay, stop. Okay. So, um, 
so an investigative reporter named Russ McQuaid said it's almost like a Sherlock Holmes tale uh, because you know it's just a mystery that dropped out of thin air. It's like, who would want this woman dead and kill her with her own gun, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, for years, they don't know who killed this woman. Sharice uh, okay. Bingham for years. Um, Every time you say Sharice, I keep thinking you're going to say... Charlize Theron. I don't no. know why. Sharice Bingham. Sharice <laughs> Bingham. Uh, she died of a gunshot wound to the chest, uh, and it was from a bullet from her own weapon. Okay? So it's hmm. kind of weird, right? <clears throat> the weapon was found lying next to her along with her cell phone. Okay? And uh, back in 2012, um, I mean, we certainly always had our cell phones on. Um, but uh, I think she kept hers off a lot. According to her husband, who was interviewed, and he was at home at the time when this, when she was out walking the dogs, um, he said she would keep her phone off a lot because she didn't use it very often. Um, Whatever. But yeah. she would always keep in touch, okay? Um, her husband said that Sharice kept a weapon, a handgun for her own protection, which, like, why do you need a handgun when you have two large German shepherds walking with you? I, I don't know. Why wouldn't you need a handgun when you have two large German <laughs> shepherds walking with you? Um, she had a handgun for her own protection, but she always kept it in a pouch on her person. The, um, in a fanny pack. I suppose. Uh, the pouch was discovered at home, and the gun was discovered at her side. Weird, right? So if she always kept this gun in this pouch okay. that she would keep on her person, why would she leave it at home? And why, once again... If you have two large German shepherds that are, that like police officers can't even get near, get near, right? Why do you need a gun? Like, sorry, scary dog privilege. It's a real thing. Yeah, it's awesome. I love it. We have yeah. a we have a dog that looks scary, but he is useless in yeah. that regard. Yeah, so he's, he's a big old pad. I mean, I got to tell you, it feels really nice to go out walking with my big scary quote unquote pit bull, at, you know, as a woman big pregnant with my toddler and I'm like nobody's gonna fudge with me yeah like even if they think he's nice like sometimes I look at him and I'm scared he he looks looks scary yeah and then he looks at you with no thoughts in his eyes and you're like oh Oh, poor guy sweet guy okay so but a gun and two fierce dogs still didn't protect this uh, devoted churchgoer on the very night she needed it the most, police investiga- investigators quickly rule out suicide and robbery. Okay. So, because at first they're like, okay, maybe she killed herself, right? Maybe she decided that she was done and that's where she wanted to end it all. But it's like, she loved those dogs, right? Like everybody that asked about, everybody that asked about her or was, excuse me, was interviewed about her, they were like, there's no way if she was going to commit suicide. In the middle of December in Indianapolis, when it's freezing, that she would go somewhere, take her dogs, kill herself, and then, like, leave her dogs to fend for themselves. That doesn't make any sense. Like, as a dog owner and lover, you would never do that. Yeah. Right? Because, like, now your dogs are susceptible to the elements and could die. Right? If you love your dogs, you don't do stuff like that. So it doesn't make sense for her to commit suicide in that way. So... Um, uh, yeah, so although Sharice had no children, her dogs were like her babies. 
Um, and even at a young age, she had an uncanny ability to train German shepherds. So like she was kind of a dog trainer. I think that was what she did for a living. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. So uh, one of the dogs was about nine or 10 named Cruiser. Hmm. Um, uh, and the dog could do uh, just the dog could do everything with her. Like they like were ne- they were inseparable. Um, so here's where the story gets weird. Okay. Remember how I mentioned that she had a husband and her husband was at home at the time. So her family said, um, that, so in her late twenties, Sharice meets a man named Eugene in her late twenties. And now she's like in her forties. Right. Or excuse me. I'm sorry. She was 52. Yeah. I think I said 52. Yeah. So she marries this man in her late twenties named Eugene. Okay. They had been married for 28 years at the point of her death. Okay. There were people in Sharice's life whom she was very close to that didn't know she was married, including her pastor. She was a, she was like a super big time churchgoer. Her pastor didn't know she was married. She For wear twenty-eight a ring. years, so yeah. She didn't wear a ring or anything like that. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Man, that's weird. Okay, that's, that's, it's, that's strange to me. Correct, yeah. I agree. The family, her family, says if things were amiss in the couple's marriage, Sharice always kept it to herself. I mean, twenty-eight years, right? Uh, then they say after almost three decades together, right? Twenty-eight years, the couple drifted apart and seemed to have separate lives at this point. Okay. Uh, after they'd been married for years, she would say that he had his own room downstairs and that's where he would be. And she would be upstairs running the house, her dogs going to work, whatever. Uh, but he would always be in that room down there says a family member. Isn't that strange? Right? Like they just lived two separate lives, which like they're roommates. Yeah. They were roommates. Um, I I can emphasize with Eugene. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, you yeah, these, yeah. well, you love these dogs so much and you give them all their attention and stuff like that. They're not <laughs> kids. You know what I mean? They're fucking dogs. Well, here's he... the room for me in our lives. No. All right, fine. I'm going to go down here and paint Warhammer. <laughs> oh, I would never do that. No, that's why we, that's why we have the dog we have so yeah. that you can be loved while I have babies <laughs> to attend to. Yeah. Um, so on the night of Sharice's murder. Okay. With uh, Eugene was in the basement or in that room, right? Uh, with how U- do they know this? That's, that's what he claimed. That's what okay, he claimed. That's his alibi. Right? Yeah. That's what he's. Well, is that a, that's a buzzword. Technically, an al- yeah, it's, it's technically his alibi, but it has to be corroborated, right? Yeah, like, so how do you corroborate? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, on the night of Sharice's murder, with Eugene down in the basement, Sharice took the dogs on a walk to one of her favorite spots, right? Which is that river walk. Um, it's in a, it's a little bit of a desolate area. And the fact that you won't see other people, um, a reporter said, um, desolate, like there's nobody being gentrified or something like that. No, desolate just means there's nobody there like deserted, desolate. Yeah. Um, but there's, but they said the dogs were very protective of her. They were like her guard dogs and nobody could get close to her. And that's what everybody was puzzled about. Uh, who got that close to be able to murder her Mm. with her own gun? Mm. There's the mystery, right? If these dogs were so protective of Sharice, right? 
that no, that police officers weren't able to get to her body. Yeah. Who would be close? Who would be able to get close enough to her? I'll tell you. Can I make a guess? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Sniper. <laughs> a sniper. She's like in the CIA or like no, in the Russian no, mob no, or something. Oh, but someone who's, who's just, oh, what? Sniper. Oh my God. It's just not, that's a sniper. huge jump. It's not a jump. My God. So the family says that there's really only one person who the dogs would allow to get close to their beloved master. The pastor. No. No. Her husband. Oh. Were Charisse's dogs comfortable around Eugene? Yes. They were very comfortable with her husband. He took them walking. He fed them. He took care of them for years. Oh. Right? <clears throat> so it makes sense that her husband might be a suspect. Because if he's just claiming to be at home during this murder, and he has no one to corroborate his alibi, right? <clears throat> okay. There's, there's, there's a lot of holes in his story, okay? All right. <laughs> I'm thinking, sorry, I'm like, I'm... So, so anyway, um, as the investigation starts to unfold, all right, um, you know, the family's starting to think that it's Eugene, right? Her husband, like her husband had something to do with it or that he did it or something. And through the investigation, they find out that Eugene has been carrying on a 14 year affair with some woman. So he's been unfaithful during half of his marriage. God, it's so exhausting. Yeah. I can't even keep track and pay attention to half the things you tell me, much let alone like someone else. Yeah, I know, right? So after finding out about the affair, Charisse's family uh, says that she made a bold statement. She went and sold her wedding ring to a pawn shop. This is just what they say, right? Like there's nothing to corroborate that. Okay. Charisse had also taken out three different life insurance policies totaling about a million dollars. Yeah. On herself? Yeah. Which, hmm, suspicious. Suspicious. She had it's, taken them out. Well. So she had taken she, them out. She, quote unquote, had taken them out. Yeah. So she had taken them out. Okay. Correct. Um, it's a large sum of money and a large motive for someone if they had access to that sum of money. Right? Hmm. Like, <clears throat> If Eugene is listed as the beneficiary, if something were to happen to her, it makes sense that it makes room for motive, right? Especially with, you know, you add life insurance policy and secret girlfriend for 14 years. And being cast down into the basement (laughs) from the light of day. So, but the question then becomes... Could he actually be linked to the murder, right? Eugene adamantly denied he, that he killed Charisse the whole time. He, but, and without going into too much detail, he his story, like when they interview him, his story changes like a bajillion times. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, at first I was at home, and oh, she left to leave the to go walk the dogs at six fifteen. Oh no, no, I'm sorry, it was seven o'clock. Oh no, no, wait, it was. You know, it was 8 p.m. You're going to go walking your dogs at 8 p.m. in Indianapolis? Like, what? Mm-hmm. And I'm, do- I'm not doing the correct times. But, like, a- his story would change every time, which is, like, a huge indicator. Yeah. But that's all circumstantial, okay. right? They had nothing to prove 
that he actually had anything to do with it. However, they did find Eugene's DNA all over her gun. Okay. So what Is this he, a big mystery? Is this is the mystery? It, yeah. Uh, did he do it? Oh I'm trying to give you I'm trying to give you um facts. Niblets? Yeah, and that you get to decide or for yourself, do you think he actually did it or not? It's like you're making it too easy for me. Do you think <laughs> I'm stupid? I literally am telling you, this is still a mystery. To this day. To this day. Wow. So Eugene was quoted as saying, well, I used to clean her gun for her. So of course my DNA is on the gun. And you look at that and go, well, he's got a point there, right? So if he's the one who cleans her gun all the time, of course his DNA is going to be on it. Right? Mm -hmm. But her firearm and her pouch should have always been together. uh, And her pouch was left at home. So that was weird. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, here's probably my favorite part of the whole story. Um, cops gave Eugene a polygraph test, okay, which okay. polygraph tests, if you didn't know this, are actually so inadmissible in, in court because they're so unreliable. So for all those people listening out there, never, ever, 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 ever take a polygraph test. Ever. Don't do it. Even if it makes you look guilty, it doesn't matter because they're inadmissible in court and cops literally just use them to like leverage you. Yeah. It's like it's think like, about think about all the thousands of people who confessed. Yeah, to psychologically fuck with you. Because think about all the thousands of people who confessed to crimes that they never did or had anything to do with. Because the our mind is so powerful, like it will either convince you that you did do something. Or you'll just get so exhausted that you're willing to admit to things that you didn't do because you want to get out of there. Yeah. Right? So never take a polygraph test, ever, because they're never going to use it in court. Right? They're just going to use it to mess with you. Um, And it's kind of funny because every time I hear a story about somebody who does or doesn't take a polygraph test, I still, like, assign value to that. I'm like, oh, they didn't want to take it. They did it. They did it. They did it. And I still am like, yeah, but still it's good that they didn't. Yeah. They, didn't they didn't take it. Anyway, so they end up arresting Eugene for the oh. murder. Oh, they okay. do end up arresting him. Is that the surprise? No, because the big surprise is eventually they don't have enough evidence to charge him, so they let it go. What? They drop the, they drop the case. Oh, my God. Can you believe that? So a month and a half before the trial was slated to begin for her murder, all the charges were dropped after cell phone evidence failed to place him at the scene. Because that was their big... They basically tried to use um, his cell phone as pinging off of different uh, towers to prove that that's where he was. But they, they were... His, his because he was too because he was forgetful enough to leave his cell phone at home before he went on a fucking murder spree. I, I don't. I, either way, like right, they they it was all circumstantial, and because that that evidence, even that was the strongest piece of evidence they had, that fell through, and so they had to drop the charges because they had nothing else. Right. Uh, one police officer was quoted as saying, "We know we charged the right person, uh, but we need a little bit more information." So. And because you don't want to go to trial, because you can't be charged for the same crime twice, right? Uh, so you don't want to go to trial until you, you got, are 
airtight. Guns blazing. Guns blazing, right? Um, probably my favorite part of this whole thing, though, was that at a certain point in the investigation of Eugene, he decides to throw a theory out about how Sharice died. He blames the dog. He says... Right? <laughs> There's no room in her life for me. It's probably the dog. Like the dog pulled the trigger. God damn That's it. what I he said. They're so well-trained. Coronado or whatever that... Or Cruiser. <laughs> Cruiser did it. Okay, oh, can that be my theory? Cruiser did it. Cruiser did it. Yeah, so that's what he poses. He says, he's like, I bet that the dog jumped up on her and somehow with their with all the thumbs that they have pulled this trigger and and shot her and they're like what German shepherds are very well trained they are they got a lot of workarounds for those so thumbs. so Eugene is still technically a suspect yes but they don't have enough evidence to charge him with the crime well so what do you think? Do you think Eugene did it? No, I think Cruiser did it. <laughs> you think I'm stupid? The dog did it. Yeah. <laughs> you got spelled out for you? Like Eugene had to? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> no, obviously this jet, this asshole did he it. He had to I have. Had they to just have. like like think about. You know, the, he's very smart leaving his cell phone behind, though. You know, I don't know if it was necessarily that he like left his cell phone behind, or because I think what ended up happening was like they proved he wasn't at home. They were able to prove when he said he was at home that he wasn't. That he wasn't. Um, and I think the uh, mistress had something to do with proving that he wasn't at home. And so I think what they ended up finding was that he was with her or, like, at her house or, like, something, right? Um, but the details don't really matter. I think he I think he murdered her. Yeah. Boop. Good for him, though. Good for him. <laughs> good for him? Well, good for him because, I mean, shit, it's been 10 years and he hasn't been locked up yet. All he's got to live with is that shitty guilty consciousness. Oh, my God. No. They'll catch him. They just have to get the right amount of evidence. That's a long time. It is a long time, but 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 I mean, I hope a lot them. of murderers take a long time to prosecute. Get their due prunes. <laughs> yeah, no, like a bunch of serial killers. You know, they commit crimes and then 20, 30 years later they get caught. Um, yeah, I can name two off the top of my head. Yeah, like one of them that we, the Golden State Killer and the Green River Killer, both yeah. of them took like thirty years, 20, 30 years to be yeah. caught. DNA. Crazy. DNA is the best. Crazy. But also inconclusive. Can you believe that? DNA DNA isn't as airtight as people think it is. Well, I also didn't know that lie detector <clears throat> tests were inadmissible in court law. Yeah, you're welcome. Fun fact. Fun Haley Ford fact. My only experience with lie detector tests, this is a true story, is watching Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's and the Eleven. And the guy does like the lie detector test to get as, in as a as a pit boss or as a car dealer. God, I don't even casino. remember that. He puts a thumbtack underneath his big, uh, his big toe thing. Oh. And like he just like to make does, his heart rate yeah, go up or yeah, something. Yeah, just do it like he just does, he's just, like stabbing his big toe the whole yeah. time. Yeah. 
I feel like God, this this is like garbage. Oh, because like, the heart rate's all over the place. And yeah, cause it's like wow, this guy's just like all over the place. You yeah. Know what I mean? See, but that's that's the thing is that lie detector tests are. I mean, if you want to use them, they're they're a tool, right? Like it, another tool in your toolkit, you know, for finding murder. Yeah, but all I'm saying is, if you ever get arrested or brought in for a serious crime and Three they want to give you a lie detector. Don't do it. Yeah. Three things to get brought in that if anything I've learned from just being married to you. Number one, call a lawyer. Number two, don't say a fucking thing. Correct. And number three, don't piss in the corner of your cell. Because I gotta <laughs> I gotta tell you, like that just makes for a stinky investigation. Bill stinky. as someone who might have experience in that. Oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> you have a little experience in peeing in the corner of a jail cell? I don't worry about that. That's, a, that's another so, podcast yeah. altogether. I got old Bill. Bill <laughs> long, long dick of the law. Got fucked old Bill. The long dick of the law. Yeah. <laughs> got old Bill. <laughs> oh, man. That's a story for another time. Yeah. But they still haven't. I've not been brought to trial for my murder. So For your murder? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, that's the story of Sharice Bingham. Yeah. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. And may her killer be found. Hope you find the clouds. Oh, 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 silver lining. The dogs were actually rehomed. Oh, yeah. So they're they're fine. They're okay. The dogs are good. Is Cruiser still alive? I don't know if I don't think they're still alive. It's 2012. And that, should, I think that dog was nine or ten. Well, that should dog's be an, not alive. Well, we do, season three should be an expose on the lives of Cruiser and the other dogs. Oh my god! All dogs associated with crime. Well, they all go to heaven, so that's what matters. It's true. All right. Well, so what are we going to talk about next time, Bill? Oh my god! Thank God you asked me this. All right, <laughs> fantastic. So we are going to do, I think. A Song of Ice and Fire tabletop miniatures strategy game. I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And The way you described it to me, at first I was like, ugh, it just kind of reminds me of like another... Warhammer. Yeah, like Warhammer, tabletop, you know, my team versus your team. I got to move everything an inch. Mm-mm. No, it's very, <laughs> it's very, it's much more interesting because first of all, it uses two big things and then we'll get the fuck out of here. So number one, it's, it's an... <laughs> I go you so instead of I go you go it's a you know, alternating a- activation sequence so just like Necromunda like you know where you I move like one ganger and then you move one ganger instead yeah. of like me moving the all of my team and then you move all of your team yeah it's it's a very much more interactive and engaging cool type of play and then two off to the side there's political intrigue there's political intrigue so you have NPCs or non-playable characters off to the side that can affect the flow and actually what goes on in the battlefield because they're pulling political strings in the background and doing yeah. all sorts of stuff so that sounds really cool yeah it's fucking tits so we're going to do a song of fi- I- ice, ice and, and fire. fire tabletop strategy miniatures and then i don't have a murder picked out yet that's but that's the way the news goes that's the way news goes all right well thanks for joining us for another episode of bored to death i'm Haley, and i'm bill (laughs) we'll see you next time yeah fuck yeah